not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in, pure, in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up into glory. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I really want everyone to have their Bible open today, if possible, or your phone out if that's where you read from, that is fine. But also go to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read just one verse. I'd like for you to turn to Mark chapter 10 as we begin. I want to read one verse there about Jesus, verse number 45. And our message today is about the deacons and the wives of our deacons living out love in the local church and specifically their dynamic faith. Now next week we're going to get to the key verse of all of 1 Timothy. And so this passage is right before really the, the center of the, this great epistle written to the church where Paul says that we must know how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. That's what the, the, the house, this is the house of God. Think of that. The church of Jesus is God's house. And it's the church of the living God. And he says it's the pillar of the truth. The ground of the truth. That's our job and our function. So we'll look at that more carefully next week. But the ministry of a deacon lives that out. And this verse uses this word that we get our word deacon from. It's translated minister in our text, but it's the same word diakonos, and it's used about Jesus. So read with me, please, Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45 as we begin. Mark 10:45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom. So read deacon into that. For even the Son of Man came not to be deaconed unto, but to deacon, to be a deacon, the ultimate deacon. And the ultimate deacon, what did he do? He gave his life a ransom for many. That's where we get our word deacon from, that word minister. Let's pray. Father, now take this time, glorify your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are the great deacon, the great servant. You gave your life. And you're also the great shepherd, the very pastor. You're the great bishop of our soul. As Peter said, you're the shepherd and bishop, the pastor and overseer of our soul. And you're the great high priest, 
the only high priest we need passed into the heavens. Jesus, You're the Son of God. We thank You for who You are. Take full control that this would be Your church. We are not here to do our work. We're here to do Your work, Lord. We're here to exalt Your name. We're here to expand Your kingdom. So thank You, God, for Your church. And may we know how to behave well in Your church as Your people. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today I want to talk about the deacons and their wives and the dynamic faith that they are to have. And I have to give this testimony. Being a pastor almost 40 years, I have had the incredible privilege of serving with godly deacons throughout these many years. And I assure you, church, right now we have six deacons in our church and their wives. And they are godly, wonderful, fabulous Christians and Christian couples. None of us are perfect, but how I thank God. And as I was thinking about this message, I, I thought what a blessing the deacons that I've served with over the years are actually a blessing to our church today. For one, the brother that you see here laying carpet, that was the first church that I started back in 1984 in the middle of Flatbush, Brooklyn. Right on Flatbush Avenue, the church is still there, City View Baptist Church. That's Brother Allenson James. He was our deacon in the church. And there was his wife, beautiful Kathleen, with their two children, small little children at the time, Jessica and Benjamin. And thank God for the Lord bringing this, this wonderful family into our church and bring us dignity, bring us strength. And through him serving in our church he, with his wife, she was my secretary back then. And God blessed our church so much with their ministry. And now their daughter has been a member of our church for numbers of years. And they're with us today. Brother Allenson and Kathleen, all these years. Raise your hand over there. Everybody know who you're talking about, who I'm talking about. And their two children. Benjamin is also here. Thank you for coming, Benjamin. And Jessica. I knew them when they were this big. And then this is, this is Brother Archie Boyce. I met him going door to door when we started our second church. That's his wife, Elaine. And they started coming to our church. But do you know his son is a member of our church today? And he's here. Brother Mark. Raise your hand, Mark. That's Brother Mark, and the son of, of Archie. And Archie was a carpenter. And he would just do all kinds of, of work in our church. What a blessing. And, and I was so privileged to serve with, with Archie and Elaine. And they're both with the Lord Jesus today. I was able to preach both of their funerals. Such of the, Some of the most beautiful people you could ever meet. Praise God for faithful deacons like this. And in Christianity, Jesus reminds us that He is the ultimate servant. servant, And that in Christianity, it's the, the leaders are the servants. In Christianity, the servants don't serve the leaders. The leaders serve. That's greatness in the, in the family of God. Jesus is the greatest servant of all because He gave His life. So what is a deacon? A deacon, a servant is a servant who executes the command of another. That's, that's all. That's what a servant is. He executes the command of another. A servant has no will of his own. He's a servant. And Jesus is the ultimate servant as, as doing what? What did He do? He fulfilled and executed the command of 
His Father. Everything He did, every word He spoke, every place He went, and what He did to go to the cross, to die on the cross for our sins, He did it because He was executing the command of His Father. These are... That's Brother James there when he was serving as a deacon in our church. And we were laying the carpet. You remember that, Brother James? Do you remember that back then? That's a long time ago. You don't remember, but you did. Yeah. And these were two of our, also two of our deacons at our second church on the far side over there. That's, that's Brother Earl. And what a, what of a, a bear. he was like Suresh. He was our Suresh at Parkway, you know, kind of a bear of a guy, you know. I mean, just strong and just a bear of a guy. And you know who is on the, in that picture, you know who's on the, the bright side? You know who that is, right? That's my dad. And that was at our anniversary service. But I'm, I'm thankful that my... You know, one of the things deacons can do is just reach out to visitors in the church because you never know who that visitor is going to be. And I'm glad that my dad was able to connect with Brother Earl. And then this is one of our other deacons. That's Clinton and his wife, uh, Janet. And that, there's Mark. Look at that Mark. There he is right there. You see that? <laughs> That was at a banquet we were having back then to raise some funds for our building at the, at the Parkway Baptist Church. By the way, I brought two photo albums, if any of you are interested. Uh, they're, they're very well-used photo albums back there, but just, just be easy as you go through it. But if you wanted to look at some of the pictures uh, of our first two churches that we started. But Jesus Christ is the ultimate servant. And here's our text that we even read some of those verses Mark chapter 10. Can you read these verses please with me? It says, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Okay, stop right there. So who's great? The minister, the servant, the deacon, the diakonos is actually the word. Verse four, the next verse says, Whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be servant of all. Now that, that word servant is doulos, which is literally a slave. So you want to be chief in the kingdom of God? Be a servant. And then Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So ultimately, a deacon executes the command of another and then literally in giving his life sacrificially for the will of the Father. And for His church. Now in the New Testament, who is a servant? Who can be a servant in our church? Do you need, to be, do you need a position to serve Jesus Christ? Do you have to be a... Well, I'm not a deacon, so sorry, can't serve. No. In, in the church of Jesus, all of us should be servants. In the church of Jesus, every member of the church is a servant is a minister of Jesus Christ. Some people think, oh, the pastor is the minister. Oh, who's your minister? You know, like, like there's one minister in the church. Oh, it's the reverend, you know. <laughs> I said, don't call me reverend. I would rather be called late for dinner than to be called reverend. All of us are ministers. Every member is a minister of Jesus Christ. These pictures I took yesterday of our ministers at Heritage Baptist Church. I walked into our office, and there was the young man named Vincent Abruzzisi. I say he's a young man because he's younger than me. 
And Grace, I said, Grace, you're so beautiful and photogenic, you know. And then I went out with Brother Bill was there and Mark. We were out there sharing the gospel on the streets. And as we, we always go to this guy at Bryant Park, and his name is Carlos. And Carlos looked at me and he said, uh, you're the pastor, right? I said, yes. He said, yeah, I saw your picture on the track. He said, you look a lot older now, he told me. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. I, I said, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. So Vinny, oh, this is right down Vinny's wheelhouse. Vinny's like, oh, on. he's like, oh, yeah, he does look pretty old, right? So Vinny said to him, who looks younger, me or him? I was like, oh, I know what's coming now. And, and the guy said, Vinny, you look younger than me. And Vinny's like, ha, 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 you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, you're my senior, but... I guess I look older than you because I got more gray hair. At least I have more hair than you. (laughs) Oh, wow. In the New Testament, every single believer is a minister of Jesus Christ. You don't need a title to serve Jesus. And here's the verse. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, here's the verse. I could show you many verses. I looked through a hundred different verses to get this one. It says, not that we are sufficient to think anything as of ourselves. It's not about us at all. But our sufficiency, our ability is of God. I love that. Our strength to do the work of Jesus Christ, it's not about us. It's about God. And then he says, who also hath made us able, and that word able is the same word sufficient, sufficient ministers of the New Testament. And Paul says, has made us. Paul as an apostle is a minister. That is a diakonos. That's the word deacon, servant. But he's talking to the church. He's saying all of the church, we together are able ministers of Jesus Christ, of the new covenant, the new testament of the blood that He shed on the cross to preach the gospel to our city. That's what we're here to do. So I want you to say this. In Jesus Christ, I am a minister. I am a minister of Jesus Christ. Because God has made us able ministers. All of us. And you know, this scripture, Romans chapter 16, verse 1, this word is used of women in the church, and we'll talk about this. But Romans chapter 16, verse 1 says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. And the word there is diakonos. Now, some churches do have deaconesses because of this verse, Romans 16, 1. And even 1 Timothy chapter 3, I might talk about that as we get into that passage. We will get into it. But I will just say this. Beloved, women are absolutely vital, essential, crucial in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And women are great servants of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that. And I've experienced that. Our own dear sister Hattie. You don't see that picture, Hattie, but I'm showing you up here right now on the screen. You know, Hattie was one of our first graduates of our institute, and for years she taught the children in, in junior church. She said, and she said, Pastor, because you taught us to do it, right? Isn't that what you said, Hattie? I'm not, that's what you said to me many times. 
Praise God for Hattie. What a servant. And what faithful women we have. And I could show uh, 50 of you dear ladies, but I, I did show a picture of Sister Esther sharing the gospel. But I could show many of you sharing the gospel, serving, because we have so many faithful Phoebes in our church, faithful ministers of Jesus Christ. But the focus of 1 Timothy chapter 3 is on the character of the deacons and not their duties, not their responsibilities. And actually, specific deacon responsibilities, there's no list of what should a deacon do in a church. There's no list or actual... There's hints of it, but... What a deacon should do in the church is actually open to what needs to be done in the church. And I believe that's why God didn't give specific duties or responsibility of a deacon and list them. Because according to the time and according to culture, those duties and responsibilities can change. And there are a hundred ways a deacon can serve in the church according to their gifts according to their call, according to the abilities that God gives. And here's the verse, 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister. And I'm highlighting the word for diakonos there, minister. Be a deacon, servant, as you've received the gift. So serve the Lord with your giftedness. You, when you were saved, received spiritual gifts. And so serve with those gifts. As a good steward of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the Word or the oracles of God. If any man minister, there's that word again, minister or be a deacon, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. What beautiful verse that is. So, what a deacon does could change as time changes. In other words, in the first century church, deacons didn't serve the Lord in parking lots of churches and help cars park. But I've been in churches where the deacons oversee the parking of cars. If there's a large church and has a large parking lot, don't you see that that would be very important for everybody to get in the parking lot without crashing into each other and and doing it safely and and that people are there friendly meet you in the parking lot of the church. So some churches do that, but we don't need that here either, right? Because we don't have a parking lot. It's like to eat, hey, find one out there. I hope you can find one. (laughs) It's a war to find a parking place around here. But we do have deacons do other things. For example, in the first century church, they didn't need deacons to help with technology. But when the pandemic came and we were doing YouTube, one of our deacons said to me, well, maybe we should do Zoom. That's the first time I ever heard of Zoom. I was like, no, I don't want to try that. That sounds scary. You know, technology is a little scary sometimes to change and do something new. But then everybody started doing Zoom. So deacons do help with that. And to this day, one of our deacons helps every Sunday. And if something happens with this presentation right here and it kind of crashes, you know what deacon will be up here to give us a hand. So deacons do all kinds of things. So again, I say the focus of this passage is on the character and not the duties of a deacon because 
the character and the holiness and the faith of deacons is non-negotiable. That's what is timeless. The responsibilities and what a deacon will do will change over time. But we know Brother Suresh has served as a deacon in our church many years. He's our chief usher, chief church clean-upper, and he helps with the radio at times and doing different things, serving God here. And of course, Ian is our main greeter. When you come in our door, you'll, you'll meet Ian. He's one of our deacons and his dear wife here, pictured with our dear Stephanie Marnock who died of her complications with lupus and the COVID. Uh, Been over a year now. And Jamie is here today. Praise God, Jamie, making that big sacrifice. Man United has a big game, but Jamie came to church. Good for you, Jamie. He's hiding behind the pillar. I don't see you. Are you watching the game behind the pillar? You watching it on your phone? uh, Yeah, I'm watching it on my phone. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's hiding from me. Okay. But I did see you come in. A deacon is a model servant. That's who a deacon is. A deacon is an example to the church of serving Jesus Christ. And so that's what a deacon is. And he's a godly man along with his wife. Have you ever noticed that Wake Forest University... Their, their logo for their, for their university, their mascot, is the Demon Deacons. I was like, man, they ought to get rid of that one. They're getting rid of the Redskins and the Indians. They're getting, getting, getting rid of I, I, I'm a Baptist. I'm offended. But that's a Baptist school. <laughs> a Baptist school called the, their mascot is the Demon Deacons. You know why? Deacons must have a bad reputation in certain circles down in the Southern Baptist world. The deacons sometimes go out of the church during Sunday school and church and have a cigarette. You know, or they, and they're out there griping and murmuring against the pastor, you know. So they get this idea that a, 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 the demon, de- what a terrible thing. I, I assure you, our, demon, our, de- our deacons are not demons. No. <laughs> a little Freudian slip there, right? No. <laughs> our deacons are not demons. So I want us to think about this for just a few minutes here this morning. First thing I want us to see from this passage. Now go to First Timothy, please, chapter three. First Timothy, chapter three. And I want us to look at the faith of these deacons because what really struck me about this passage and what really stood out to me, and it's not even referenced in the passage about to the bishop or to the pastor in verses 1 through 7. But three times in this passage, it emphasizes the, the word faith is used or a root word of faith is used. And it's used in verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. It's used in verse 11, that the deacon's wives must be faithful in all things. And it's used also in verse 13. It says they have great boldness in the faith. So what's emphasized here about deacons is their faith. And so I want us to look at four aspects of a deacon and the deacon's wife. Their faith in Jesus Christ. As an example, and again, all of us should be this servant as well. And the first thing we see about this faith is its grasp. Now, I love this verse, 9. And it really 
really struck me as I meditated on this passage where it says that deacons, and we're going to go to verse 9 first here, they hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. What an interesting verse. Holding the mystery of the faith. They hold on to the mystery of faith. And if you read the rest of 1 Timothy, this is so important because Paul says to Timothy, some have made shipwreck of the faith. Others are departing from the faith. Demas in 2 Timothy hath forsaken me. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And one of the qualifications of a deacon we'll see is they're not to be greedy of, of money, for money, just as a pastor. Why? Because deacons and pastors have a responsibility to distribute the money of the church and care for the money. And we're going to have a business meeting in a few weeks, by the way, and we will account to the church how much money the, took, the church took in and how we spent it. Can you believe this little church right here? Last year, in all of our giving, in all of our different ways, we took in over a half a million dollars last year. Can you believe that? But we're responsible to how we spend it. Now, we have a budget, for one, and we'll present that budget in a few weeks. At the end of February, the last two Sundays of February, we'll, we'll do our two uh, meetings where we'll explain the budget, and then we will vote on that budget and vote as well, I'll mention, on, on new deacons and, the, uh, and, some other, and our other deacons. But anyway, so a mystery. Now, what is a mystery? Look at this passage. Oh, I know I had you turn to First Timothy chapter 6. That's right. Faith. Here we go. Look at verse 10 of First Timothy chapter 6. It says in First Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, what was, whatever was going on with these false teachers and heretics in the church that was not a true deacons would not do that, would not err from the faith through the love of money. And look at the very last ending of, of 1 Timothy. If you look at verse 20 and 21, it's a similar thing. He says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. I'm reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. He says, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, we could say evolution falls into that today for sure, which some, having, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So that's where he finishes the book. People erring from the faith. So this verse right here is that deacons hold on to the mystery of the faith. They don't depart from it. They don't err from it. So it's a very critical verse. Now, it says they hold to the mystery of the faith. Now, what is a mystery? And I put it on the screen here. A mystery is what? Something that is once hidden, but now it's been revealed. And you must have spiritual discernment to see the mystery, to know the mystery. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul talked about the mystery of the gospel. Colossians 1.27 talks about the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mystery of Christ is used in Ephesians chapter 3. The mystery of the gospel, the mystery of, the Christ, of Christ, the mystery of the faith. Now what is a mystery? A mystery is something that's once hidden but now revealed. And now it makes sense. 
But you have to have spiritual discernment. I'm talking about a spiritual mystery in order to grasp it. Now, have you ever seen a murder mystery? You ever seen a murder mystery? And, it, and, and you're watching this mystery and somebody's killed and you, it's like a whodunit. Don't we love the whodunit type things? You know, it, it's interesting. And, and when you're in the middle of it, you just can't figure it out. You're like, how, how is this going to work out. You don't, you don't see how it could possibly work out for somebody to have committed this particular crime in this murder mystery, let's say. But then, once that mystery is revealed, even though once you were stumped, once it's revealed, you say, oh, now I see it. Why didn't I see it before? How did I miss that clue, right? Or something like that. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you know the mystery and it's been solved, so a mystery is something that was once hidden, but now revealed. And once revealed, it all makes sense. And so you go from, the idea of a mystery is you move from, how is this going to work out? I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. To all of a sudden, wow, how did I not see it? Now I get it. So the deacon, a deacon, a servant of Jesus Christ, holds on to the mystery of the faith. So what is a mystery? Something that once they didn't understand. It was once hidden. And it stumped them. But now they've come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. What he did for them on the cross. Here's the mystery. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, right in our text. Look at verse 16. Paul talks about the mystery of godliness the very last verse of this chapter. He says, without controversy, great is the mystery. So, the mystery of the faith is, is without controversy. It was once hidden, but now it's revealed. And a lot of men still don't get it. A lot of people still don't get it. It's a mystery to many out there on the streets, believe me. They don't understand how they can actually come to know Jesus or come to know God or come to have eternal life, have forgiveness. It's like, huh? They're stumped by it all. But he says the mystery of godliness is that God was manifest in the flesh through the virgin birth, Jesus Christ. He was justified in the Spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached on unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. He was received up into glory. That's some of the mystery. The point is, is that, isn't it amazing when the Gospel is revealed to your heart, and you see it, it makes sense. I remember when I was saved as an 18-year-old college student, I was like, how come I never saw it before? Well, I was stumped. It's like the mystery, but then I saw it. I saw Jesus. I saw I was a sinner. I saw He was a Savior. I saw why He died on the cross for my sins and why He rose again. And the mystery of salvation is that we have, through Jesus Christ and His Gospel, Christ living in us. And now we have the hope of glory. And I would go to Ephesians chapter 3, but I don't have the time, verses 3 through 10, you could read that later. But notice what it says in our text, if we stay with this text. It says, holding the mystery of... Now notice those two words, it says, the faith. The faith. So when he says the faith, he's not talking about the personal faith of the disciples here, the, the personal faith of the deacon. He's talking about 
the objective body of truth, the objective body of doctrine to which we hold dear. When the Apostle Paul speaks of the faith, and in the original language, there's actually a definite article there. So it's not a faith that the deacon has. It's the faith that the deacon believes. It's the mystery of the faith. The, the entire content, if you will, of objective doctrinal truth that God has clearly revealed, that we hold dear, that is what deacons hold on to. Holding the mystery of the faith. That's what many have departed from. That Jesus Christ is the only Savior. That's what people have departed from. That Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. But deacons hold to this faith. Now, by the way, sometimes the word faith is referenced and the, the, the definite article is not in our English text. It's not there. So you, you, you don't know sometimes whether he's talking about this the, the faith or whether he's talking about somebody's personal faith. But I will just say this right now, and we'll get to verse 13. Hopefully we'll get there. But when he says a great boldness in the faith, even though the definite article is in the English because it makes sense, it's actually not there in, in the original language. So I think in verse 13 he's talking about the personal faith of the deacon. So, both are important. The, the, the faith is what we believe. When I speak of the faith, I'm saying we believe in the virgin birth. The faith. When I say the faith, we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross as a substitutionary blood atonement for the sins of the world. That's the faith. When I say the faith, I'm saying that Jesus Christ bodily rose again from the dead. That is our faith. That is the doctrine that we hold dear, that we must never surrender, that is clearly revealed by God. The faith is that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved and go to heaven. We memorize the verse today. It says, These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So the faith that we have leads us to know we have eternal life. And that's what the deacons hold on to. Remember, Jude even says that we contend for the faith. It's not your personal faith Jude's talking about. It's talking about this body of doctrine that we hold dear. That is, so he's saying here, deacons understand the truth of God. Deacons have come to a place of understanding sound doctrine and are holding dearly onto it. And then once you hold on to that true doctrine... Happy anniversary, Edgar and Anna. This picture I saw on their Facebook page. Uh, Shannon took this. Their second daughter... Uh, of them as, to celebrate their anniversary. And Edgar and Anna are what great servants they are in our church. They're presently teaching the marriage class once a month. For those who are married, encourage you to come, especially on those Sundays. Oh, here we go, Deacon. I don't know what just happened, but it, it just popped in. I don't know what's happened. Um, okay. So. The next thing, and you can look at your notes as well in your outline, is that this faith, however, is practical because once they know this faith, it's lived out. It says in a pure conscience. So that's verse 9. What a powerful verse. It says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. So here the qualification of a deacon goes straight to the inner man and into the heart and mind and into their conscience, into their personality. 
So, you see, when you believe the mystery of this faith in your heart, and the deacons do, they hold on to it, they believe it, then they want to live for Jesus and have a pure conscience. And when you have a pure conscience, it means you're actually living out that life of faith in Jesus Christ. And thank God for our faithful deacons who live out their faith in a pure conscience. Okay, the second thing I want us to see, not only is this faith held on to and held dear by the deacons, this faith is grasped, I put it that way, but number two, this faith is fleshed out. Oh, I wanted to actually, you know what, I, I missed this picture. I wanted to show this picture of the, the faith fleshed out by our deacons. So here's one of our faithful deacons and wives. And Okay, this is, of course, a Shook and Liz. And you know, a Shook and Liz are going to be, they're planning to move. And so we need to replace them. You know, who, you know who comes first? When I walk in the door on Sunday morning, you know who's here? Adrian and Susan Smith with their family doing the chairs and a Shook and Liz doing setup and doing other things. Thank God for our faithful deacons who are here. And of course, Ashok, through many years, has done our food ministry. He's going to be leaving. It's going to be a big loss when he leaves. Suresh and and Bika are leaving too. I'm thinking about not letting them go, but I don't know. Suresh is kind of stronger than me. I don't know if I could do that. But, But, you know, and I'm just going to give this one example. Look at this picture here. These are our Phoebes helping Ashok serve a meal. Here's... Uh, Esther and Hillary and Ellie, welcome back from, North, uh, from South Korea, Ellie. And, and Esther, the, the selfie queen, she's the perfect one, always taking the best selfies, right? But look at a shook there. Does he look happy? Or does he look sick? He looks sick. You know why? He was. <laughs> he was not feeling well that day. He, was, he, would, he would have loved to be at home, in bed, resting, but he said he was going to be here to help serve that food, and he did it for the glory of God. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Serve when you're sick. Amen? So this faith is fleshed out. No, this was... This was... No, he wasn't contagious. Oh, okay. No. It was not a super spreader. (laughs) Okay. A person's behavior. Now, listen to this. A person's behavior is ultimately the best indicator of their beliefs. And actually, I will say it this way. What you believe will result in how you behave. It's going to happen. Everything we do is actually coming out of what we believe. Why are you going to go to work tomorrow? Because you believe that work is right, it's for the glory of God, and you need to pay your bills. <laughs> so you're going to go to work. Okay, why did you come to church? Because you're here to, you want to glorify God. And, and so on and on, we could go. And people sin because they believe the wrong things. This is why we need to believe the truth. So the faith of deacons is fleshed out in godly behavior. In their personal life, first of all, look at verse 8. 
where it says, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Grave simply means worthy of respect. It doesn't mean they're like about to fall into it. Grave, a person worthy of respect. They're honest and dependable in character. And notice those next three things. They deal with key areas of, of a person's life that they could easily fall into pits with. With their tongue. It says they're not double-tongued. They don't tell dishonest stories. Don't say one thing to one person and another thing to another person. They're honest. They're not double-tongued. They're not given to much wine. And it says they're not greedy of filthy lucre. So those three things. Doesn't it trip up a lot of people? Their tongue, drinking, and money. That's always, those are the things that trip people up. So this is where a deacon has to be above reproach. <coughs> Excuse me. And let me just say one word here. Because both for the pastor and the deacon, it speaks about drinking wine. And for the pastor, it was not given to wine. And for the deacon, it says not given to much wine. So does that mean that a deacon can, can go home and drink and just not get drunk? Is that what Paul was saying? It would seem from that language that Paul is not teaching total abstinence. And later on, he tells, he tells Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Now, I'm not going to get into this because this is a whole another point I could spend a long time talking about. I will just say a couple things. One. The wine used in the first century is nothing like the wine you buy in the store that's 20 or 30 proof. There's two different things to talk about. When he says, not given to much wine, the Greek word is oinos, and oinos simply means this drink came from the grape. Now, it would have had some alcoholic content because there was, there was water and other... Uh, Things that people would drink would be contaminated with bacteria and things that could make the drinking unsafe. So perhaps wine with some alcoholic content could clean up the water and clear out some of that bacteria and make it safer for you to drink and even have a medicinal value to it. That's why Paul tells Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. There was a medicinal value to what they were drinking. So it was mostly water, however. The second thing I would say about drinking, and I do practice abstinence, just to let you know, and I believe that's the safest position. And you know why I don't drink? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to give you a major reason. Not even the first major reason, but a major reason. Because we had a testimony here today of a brother who struggled deeply with alcohol for many years. Imagine if we put wine in our Lord's Supper cup. And for him to celebrate the Lord's Supper, he would have, drink that. He could get a taste of that and go home and have, a, have three more bottles. Because sometimes it's the first drink can, can set you right down that train again. So I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to my brother. If my brother comes to my house and he's had a drinking problem in the past, I don't want to, and he says, hey, do you have a water? I said, yeah, there's some water in the fridge. Go on to the fridge. And he opens up my refrigerator and sees a six-pack of Heineken's in there. Oh, the pastor drinks. Well, if the pastor drinks, then I guess it's okay for me to have some alcohol too. I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. So that's a reason why I don't drink, so that I'm not a stumbling block. And there's a principle 
about that in the Bible. And I'll just say this. Another reason why I don't drink, not even socially, is I don't want to prop up the evil of the alcohol industry. And I'll be done with it. But a deacon in his personal life must be godly. A deacon in their family life must have godly wives. Now, verse 11, it says, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Now, how interesting that Paul speaks about the deacon's wife, but not the pastor's wife. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know. But the deacon's wife is referenced here, and and I, I kind of surmise that if a deacon's wife had to be of a godly character, so ought the pastor's wife. That's for one. Now, some people say that Paul is introducing here women deaconesses in the church. And that the word wife, some say that, and that's true, that the word wife could mean just a woman or it could mean a wife. It could mean either. And so when he's saying here, and notice in our King James Bible, must there is in italics, So it's even so their wives or the women be grave. So some are saying that Paul is introducing deaconesses in the church. Now, it could be. Some churches have deaconesses. We don't. I'm just going to let the text stand because I believe he is talking about the wives of deacons because if he's... If he's talking of giving deacon uh, responsibility or deacon uh, qualifications, and then if he's going to talk about deaconesses as a third office, third office, in other words, you have pastors, deacons, and now deaconesses, and some people actually take this passage to mean that deaconess is a third office introduced, it wouldn't make sense to me because in verse 12 and 13, what does Paul go back to? He goes back to talking about. The deacon. So I believe he's still talking about the deacons in verse number 11. And he's talking specifically about their wives. And I have to say, we have great deacon wives. They are faithful to God. I believe they meet these, this condition in this, in this passage of Scripture. Now, do you know where our deacon's wife is in this picture? In this picture, you see our deacon's wife there? I thought this picture represented Susan well because she's so unassuming in her ministries. Susan Smith. And that was when we were out out at the park and she set up a little puppet. And today, Susan is serving God. She's back there with the children. She oversees our 11 a.m. hour. And and often Joy helps. And Joy serves with our women's fellowship, with our children on the radio. She's been and, and serves the Lord as a wise counselor to godly, uh, to, to the ladies of our church. Thank God for our deacons' wives. And if you compare to, notice the four qualifications. And then notice the four qualifications of a deacon's wife in verse 11. There's, there's an interesting parallel to them. They both begin with the same word grave, which is worthy of respect. Then the second point deals with their tongue. It says that a deacon's wife is not to be a slanderer, and, and a deacon was not to be double-tongued, so they both deal with the tongue. And then it says a deacon's wife is to be sober, it said of the deacon not, not given to much wine. And then a deacon's wife is to be faithful, and a deacon is not to be greedy. So faithfulness in the usage of money. Easy on those malls, ladies. Okay. Just seeing if you're with me, that's all. Okay. 
family life of a deacon is so important to have ordered homes. Godly homes. We need to pray for our deacon as they bring up their homes and their children for the Lord. I asked Debbie and Ian, do you have any prayer requests? I said, pray that we'll be able to bring up Chloe and Phoebe for the Lord. Pray for our deacon's children, dear, dear ones. Let's keep our deacons in prayer. It's not easy bringing up children in this culture and that our children would live godly lives. I'm so thankful for our deacons. I had a deacon recently contact me and he said, Pastor, when is our revival meeting going to be? And I said, oh, it's going to be the Sunday of Father's Day. And we'll, it's actually in our bulletin. I put that in your bulletin. I would say, everybody, mark that point down in your calendar and don't go on vacation that week. And that's why this deacon was asking me, when is our revival meeting going to be? Because he doesn't want to schedule his vacation to revival meeting. He wants to make sure his vacation was going to be at times when we're not planning special things. Isn't that a blessing? And by the way, one of our deacons, whenever they go on vacation, it seems that they leave on Monday morning. Do you know why? So they can come to church on Sunday. And sometimes they come back on Saturday. Why? So they can come to church on Sunday. I'm not saying you shouldn't miss church on vacation. Sometimes it's good for you not to be here. Go enjoy your vacation. Even go to another church when you're on vacation. And see something else and come back and maybe learn something and we can be better here. But, but uh, be faithful in all things. And have ordered homes and put God first in your home. Do you know where this picture was taken? And where we were? Where were we? We were at the home of the Kalis. And we had a baptism there. And they opened up their home. That's serving the Lord. What a blessing. We had great fellowship over there numbers of times for the baptism. And then number three, their faith is tested. That's in verse 10. And quickly it says, let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So they're to be tested. Proved, it says there. Now, deacons will be tested, but we don't give our deacons a written test. This isn't a written test. This is a life test on how you face the, the highs and lows, the trials and triumphs of life. And our deacons have proved faithful in those trials, in the highs and lows of life, so that they, it says that they could be found blameless, and that's a synonym to what a pastor ought to be. A bishop then must be blameless in verse 2, and then it says a deacon is to also be found blameless in verse 10. Isn't that something? That when it comes to the actual character qualities, pastors and deacons, really there's a lot of similarity there. Jeff and Joy are such a blessing in our church, aren't they? And we've known Jeff for even longer than you, Joy. You know, and Jeff, I remember for a number of years, I would pick up Jeff and we would drive across the Throgs Neck Bridge together and go over to the radio and we would pray and, and we would talk about who he was going to marry and, and this and that. But Jeff was faithful to God and he waited on the Lord. And then God brought joy into his life. And guess what? Jeff has been in joy ever since. <laughs> that is the perfect name for you, Joy. Because isn't she such a joyful person? And there's such a blessing in our church. And it's not easy. I'm sure they have trials in their life. They have a lot of responsibilities with work. Bringing up children and everything that goes into it. 
So we need to pray for them. But their faith has been tested. And you know where this picture was taken? That was at Jeff and Joy's house. Because that's another way they serve God. They open up their home. We've had amazing fellowships over there through the years. And wonderful. So if, if there's a fellowship over there and it, it's open to the church, you ought to come. They have a beautiful uh, trail behind their house. You can go on a little walking trail. It's, uh, it's just beautiful. But this was one of the men's fellowships for Iron Sharpens Iron. And the last thing we want to say about our deacons is their faith is rewarded. So their faith of a deacon must be grasped. Their faith is grasped. They hold on to the mystery of the faith. Their faith is fleshed out. That is lived in godly behavior, in their personal life, their family life. Then their faith is tested. It's put to the test. And finally, their faith is rewarded. Look at verse 13. It says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So their faith is rewarded by their reputation being developed is the idea there where it says, For he that has used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree. An idea of purchase literally just means like they get to themselves a good degree. Now, you know what a degree is. If you become a doctor and you graduate, you get a doctor's degree. And when you get a doctor's degree, people will look at you how? If you're a doctor. They will look at you with some level of respect. And they will even call you doctor. Because that is a title of respect that is worthy of, of the preparation and study that you've gone into. And, and now that you're there in a, in a service to help people find healing or whatever. So you, a doctorate is a hard degree to work for. And it's a good degree because it gives you respect and standing in the community. So he's saying here though, if you're a deacon, you have a good degree <laughs> that gives you standing and respect. Just like if you had a doctor's degree, gives you standing and respect in the hospital, being a deacon gives you standing, if you will. It's an accomplishment. It, it does bring recognition. Not for the sense that a deacon can pat himself on the back. That's not what our deacons do. But you know what? It brings respect to the church when a visitor comes in and says, oh, these are the deacons of our church. Oh, really? Oh, this, this church has nice deacons. It must be a... Maybe it's a good church. I don't know about the pastor, but the deacons are sure nice. So maybe the pastor's not too bad, you know? So, in a sense... I believe the idea of the developing of reputation of a deacon being a godly man lifts up the reputation as well of the church to visitors as well as to the community. And we want to be a good testimony to our world, don't we? We want them to believe that we're a, we're a godly people. We're a sober-minded people. We're serious for Jesus Christ. And we're not hypocrites. We're not like, you know, some people think, oh, these Christians are all a bunch of hypocrites develop their reputation, and then their faith is rewarded. It says they purchase to themselves a good degree. Reputation. An enhanced reputation in the church, but also for the church. And then he says, and great boldness in the faith, which is in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means this. 
deacons who serve well will become more bold and courageous in their faith. It says they will they, they purchase to themselves great boldness in the faith, in their personal faith he's talking about here now. And I have seen our deacons grow in their leadership ability. And as they grow in their leadership ability, it gives them greater courage to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And guess who bless, who's blessed from that? The church. will be blessed as our deacons grow and their, their boldness becomes deeper. You know who this is, right? Do you know where it was? It's when we went to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. And that was led by one of our deacons. I had nothing to do with the planning. He would just tell me, Pastor, can we do this or this? I'd like, yep, yep, go ahead. For Yep, that sounds great. You know, <laughs> He would bounce things off of me, but he made the decisions. He worked out all the logistics and all the details. And that was a massive uh, undertaking. You know, bus trip with over 50 people and then all the different complications that went along with it. But it was a blessing. And I have seen even a shook grow through that. So their faith is rewarded. So, dear friends, we're going to have our annual meeting in a couple of weeks. And I talked to the deacons about who could replace Ashok and Suresh amongst us. And we unanimously agreed, and we will be presenting to you to vote. They're not deacons until the church votes for them. That's how we do business. But we believe, and we've asked, and they've consented that they would be willing to serve as deacons of our church. So I'm asking the church today to pray for Sid and Ruth Tumpalan, right over here, and pray for Raul and Wanda Cordero, right here, to be deacons of our church. And we will have that meeting at the end of February. Now as we close, I want to close today by asking... The James family, if you could come up here. Allenson and Kathleen and Jessica. Benjamin, you may come if you want. You don't have to. But I want them to come up here. And then I would like to ask all of our deacons to come as well. All of our deacons to come. And your wives, please come. Edgar. I would like uh, Brother James, if you could please come. Before the church, that I thank God for our deacons presently. And I thank God for Brother Allenson and his wife Kathleen for being the first deacon of this young preacher on Flatbush Avenue when I was 25 years old. You brought to me a lot of strength, Brother James, Kathleen. You brought a lot of encouragement to my wife and I. Benjamin and Jessica, you brought us a lot of joy as small children at that time. And to see how you've grown into wonderful adults, it's a joy to our hearts. And I want the church to know that Brother James is a special man and his wife and family to me and to our church. So I'd like to uh, have Anna, if you could give Kathleen the flowers. We have some flowers for you, Kathleen, of thanks. And Brother James, your, your daughter said you like chocolate, so we, 
We got you some chocolate there. Let's pray. Bless the Lord and our soul and everything within us. Let's bless His holy name. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and mind on Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you for protecting us in the home, in the streets, in the workplace. We thank you for meeting our needs every day of our life, our spiritual needs, and our blessings need. We pray, Lord, our God, for Heritage Baptist Church. We pray for the pastor. We pray, Lord, you will continue to give him wisdom, knowledge, good understanding, as he continues to minister your word, saying nothing else but thus say of the Lord. We pray for the deacons. The Lord, our God, they will do their part, whatever the Lord have put them to do. They will do their part. And Lord, I pray for the wives to continue to bind them together in unity and love. We pray for the we pray for the ministers of Heritage Baptist Church. We pray for the members, sorry. We pray for the members of Heritage Baptist Church. We pray, Lord, for the visitors. Whenever we come to the doors of this house, we'll bind us together in unity to love one another and to serve one another as we live a life according to your divine will. We pray for the for the past, we pray for the. Sorry about that. We pray, <clears throat> we pray for the past. Oh Lord, our God, be with me. Spirit, greater is He that is in us than He that's in the world. Our guide, our teacher, who teaches us and lives us a life that is a life of obedience, that we can live a life according to Your divine will. We pray for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love that he demonstrated on our behalf and the cross of Calvary suffered and died and redeemed us and washed our sin in the own precious blood. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, our Redeemer, our King and High Priest, bless us, O Lord, our God, as we serve him and worship him in spirit and in truth. We thank you for each and every one of us here this morning and whatever has been preached by the Mass, by the minister this, this, this now, Sorry about that. We thank you for the past, so Lord our God. We pray, Lord, you'll continue to give him wisdom, knowledge, and good understanding. We pray for each and every one. Lord, bless us. Lord, protect us. Lord, guide us. Remember, you are our shield, our deliverer, the horn of our salvation, in whom we must please. Bless us, O Heavenly Father, keep us and guide us. And whatever we are heard on the part of the deacon, we deacons go out and live a life that we, others can see Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Bless us and protect us and keep us. We are not those mercies in Jesus' name and for his sake. Son, uh, Amen. Praise God.